Hello and welcome to Critical to Your Success. Thanks for joining me. I am your host, Rachel Park. I'm a critical care nurse, academic and researcher from Auckland, New Zealand. This is the podcast where I talk to critical care nurses, allied healthcare team members and academics about what has been critical to their success. I do hope you've been enjoying the episode so far. Firstly, a very happy new year to you all. Hard to believe that 2020 is upon us. I hope that if you have had time off over the last few weeks that you've managed to rest and re-energise. Have to say that it has been a lovely time here in New Zealand. Temperatures are warm, the sun is out and the garden has had a makeover. This is episode number 11 recorded in November 2019 and today I talk with Dr Julia Slark. Julia is head of the School of Nursing at the University of Auckland, a job she started only six months ago. She moved to New Zealand from London six and a half years ago and has worked both clinically and academically here in Auckland. She has a passion for change management, education and care of the stroke patient. She was a stroke nurse consultant at Imperial College NHS Trust before moving to Auckland. The School of Nursing at the University of Auckland is well known for its postgrad programme. It's the biggest in New Zealand with around 3,000 students undertaking postgraduate study each year and it also has a really strong successful undergraduate programme with an intake of around 100 each year. In this episode Julia and I talk about how she was born to be a nurse, her career trajectory so far, the importance of learning and growing along the way and seeking out opportunities, the fundamentals of nursing care, the importance of building networks and collaborations, and how an academic career is both tough and demanding, but worth it for ourselves and our patients. Also listen out for her comments around nursing being the ultimate caring profession, finding the place that suits you best, the need to involve bedside nurses and our patients in conversations about change, and the importance of building relationships. There's something in here for everyone. So grab a cuppa, sit back, and get to know Dr. Julia Slark. So Julia, thank you for this time today to have a chat about your career and how you've got to be uh, in this position that you find yourself in now as Head of School of Nursing at the University of Auckland. So <laughs> so I thought we'd step back a little bit in time first. Um, how did you get into nursing? What attracted you to this uh, as a job? I'm one of those born to be a nurse kind of people. Um, literally the first words that came out of my mouth were, I couldn't say them properly, but um, ambulance and um, hospital. Um, and from the age of four, yeah. wanted to be a nurse, would dress up as a nurse. And then once you kind of, the family latch on mm. to that. And so whether I, even if I wanted to change my mind, I don't think <laughs> I would have had a chance. Um, you were mad. Really my fa- yeah. I mean, my family really working class English. Um, my mum and dad um, owned family businesses, both left school at 13. Um, you know, my mum hardly went to school. She fell in, a, fell in the fire when she was a baby oh. and had um, full thickness facial scarring and spent her childhood in hospital. Wow. And yeah, my dad left school to be a butcher at 13. So um, the thought of um, having a member of the family who might have a profession Mm. was a big deal Mm. for us. So um, I then went on to be the first to attend university and get a master's degree. And yeah, the thought, the fact that I've got a PhD, my dad still doesn't understand what it means. No, no, but he's very proud. Very proud. Very proud. 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 Yes. So, um, so no yeah. other nurses in the family? No. 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 no just me. No. no Broke the mould? Yeah. <laughs> no. 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 They've, yeah. Um, my brother's now got a, his degree, bachelor's degree, but no one else has yeah. even yeah. Um, gone down that way. I think they just think we're both, you know, a bit weird. Yeah, yeah. A bit bookish. <laughs> and uh, we're, yeah, we're sort of blips in the family because they're all sort of builders. Funny, and, eh? yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah. Um, and where did you do your training? Charing Cross Hospital yeah. in London. Um, 
for a few years before I started my nurse training, we were living on the south coast as a family, and I couldn't wait to get back to London. I'd sort of been born and bred, and then we did some travelling, and um, I was just like, no, I have to get home. I have to yeah. get home, and West London is home. Yeah. And, um, yeah, great. I, I remember I was in the back of my mum and dad's car, and we were driving along Fulham Palace Road, and, you know, I was 17 still. And I hadn't even been reached 18 by that point and the tower at Charing Cross Hospital is 15 stories high right and you could you know you'd be sort of went over Putney Bridge and then we're driving on Fulham Palace Road and then I could see this tower and my heart was you know in my head and all I kept thinking was it's going to be all right nurses are nice people you know we're going to be kind to each other because you know we're nurses and it's all going to be all right no one's going to be horrible to me that was all I kept thinking to myself. I know that was before and I really, like, found out that <laughs> actually no, that I had. Um, and, you know, in those days, we there were four that we were called sets, and there were four sets a year mm. that trained, um, and there were only twenty five of us mm-hmm. in each group, um, and I think that made up for the lack of theory because mm. we didn't really get taught very much. It was mm. so you know on the job. Um. We were paid, got ninety pounds a month um, in payment. And um, and that and I got free accommodation. Right. So ninety pound yeah. a month, and then um, it's not bad. Nineteen ninety was pretty good going, um, but you know they they forgot to teach us about the liver. <laughs> so we, we sat our mock exam, and um, there was a question on the liver, and we all came out to our lecturers and said, you know, liver, liver. You haven't taught us anything about the liver. And they're like, don't be ridiculous. Of course we haven't. We were like, you haven't. <laughs> so we had a quick before we sat our state finals. We um, had a quick. Um, lesson on recap, the yeah, 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 yeah. So it was, it was not particularly theory based, but because there were so few of us, mm. you know, it was literally, you know, one on one. I remember, you know, I hurt my back once, and the Teresa Tong was one of the <laughs> senior lecturers, and she came and collected me from the ward and walked me back to to the accommodation um, because I'd hurt myself. You know, yeah. um, it was proper. You know, you were literally led by the hand mm. into your training um, and through your training, and it was yeah, very special experience, mm. but um, not very cost efficient. Or, <laughs> yeah. Um, Are they still training at Charing Cross now? Yes, but um, it's all from out of the universities right. now. So they have the University of West London, I think, is their local provider, mm-hmm. and um, University or new, new what's it called, Uxbridge. Yeah, it's Uxbridge. New right. University. Oh, I can't remember. There's a couple of universities in mm. the local area that um, mm. provide. But um, Charing Cross is now part of Imperial College NHS Trust. Mm. So there's five hospitals yeah. and thousands of staff. Big so it's a whole different, yeah, yeah, yeah very different to, yeah. to when we trained. And do you still keep in touch with other nurses that you mm. train with? There's yeah, five of yeah. us. There's five of us who Fantastic. are still great mates. Yeah. Um, and uh, all over the world, got um, one of us is in Saudi. Um, we've got one's become a psychologist. Um, one's a teacher. Wow. Um, so Martina is still a nurse. She's a um, gastro mm-hmm. clinical nurse specialist. Um, Vicky's the teacher. Julie's Saudi. Bernie's the psychologist, Martina and me. And you, yeah. 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 It just uh, shows, doesn't it, you know, where you can go, what yeah. you can do. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. It's amazing. And, um, you know, several midwives that I'm sort of not as friendly with but still in touch. Because mm. um, in, in our day, you couldn't, in the UK, you can't train to be a midwife without being a registered nurse first. Right. So quite a lot of them, um, when the, once they got married and started having babies, they went off yeah. and did their, their midwifery training. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, tight, tight as ever. Interesting. And um, yeah, nice. really supported each other. I think though, out of our entire set, you know, if you'd asked who was the person least likely to go on and do a PhD, it would have been me. <laughs> I wasn't. Um, I loved, you know, I was a real practical kind of nurse, mm. but I loved, you know, I missed quite a few days going off to Europe to see bands play, yeah, and yeah. you know, I was a little bit easily distracted. But um, a key proponent of work-life balance in the early days, Julia. In the early days, yes. And I, you know, I, I gave one hundred and ten percent when I was, you know, on the wards, and that's definitely where I did, you know, my learning. Mm. Um, And it was I really remember being on my last ward, you know, literally about to sit my exams, and 
really nervous, really underconfident, thinking, I don't know anything. And then this, this evil um, senior staff nurse used to take us on ward rounds and just fire questions at us, and I don't cope particularly well in that kind of an mm. environment. And um, I remember standing outside this side room, and, and she, she asked us something. It was a cardiac question which I would have said, there's no way on God's earth I knew the answer, and it just popped out. <laughs> and I think I was more shocked than anybody else. And um, it, it was a real, gave me that real sense of, you know, the, the way we structure and, and stagger mm. your education in nursing is that you, it, you do grow and you do learn, yeah. and it just, it becomes innate. Just in happens. And, and yeah, mm. and that's so brilliant because when you need it, it it mm. pops out um, and um, yeah that made me feel like right I'm ready now yeah. I, I can be a registered nurse you know? <laughs> so so once you registered where did you work oh so my dream had always been become a nurse go traveling around the world so um, in a, again in our day um, the advice was always you do a year of surgery a year of medicine mm. and then you decide whether you're going to specialize or not and I hated surgery from the very you know just the noises of the machines and always having to oh my god I've got more ops to do yeah, it yeah. just you know um, irritated me so I found the sort of the, the easiest surgical ward that I could find so I did ophthalmology and maxillofacial okay. surgery um, I did that for a year and I loved it actually because I learned a lot about that sort of um, nervous well mm. kind of so how to reassure people yeah. um, because all the eye surgery was all under local anaesthetic and you know I did find the eye really interesting but it didn't take long to learn a lot about it and then mm. you're like oh, eye drops what needs yeah, yeah. Um, so I yeah spent that whole time saving up um, and in those days you know that I got they just did anything they could to hang on to you really so they let me trot off to America for four months and me and my best mate at the time um, went off on a tiki tour around America um, and had a ball. Um, and then I came back and I very rudely resigned, which is just a typical thing that the youngsters do. Yeah. But I'd been chatting, I came back and I'd been chatting to one of my mates who was on the ward next door, and that was a neuro ward. And we, I remember it distinctly. The, so Charing Cross Hospital was built because the, the original one was in Charing Cross in, London, yep. in central London, and then they built the new one in Fulham, and it was in the shape of a cross. Right. Um, so the wards would kind of meet in the middle, mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, you could be on one ward and be standing in a bay of another ward, <clears throat> which I was easily distracted. Yeah, so I would, yeah. of course, migrate round the corner <laughs> to have a chat. But anyway, yeah, um, my friend was like, come over, we'll have a laugh, and, you know... Have you re can you remember how to empty a catheter? You know, that kind oh. of... Yeah, exactly, banter. But, um, but yeah, so I went next door, basically. Yeah. Got a job there um, on 10 West, neuro. And that was just the beginning of yeah. my love affair with neuro, really. Um, did a lot of toing and froing. Moved, a you know, sort of um, took a year and a half off. Said all my goodbyes, went off, did my OE. Oh, I loved my OE. That was kind <laughs> of the real... Um, dream for me mm. to, to go travelling um, but I came back and did agency and sort of did a lot right. of agency all around London at the time but um, one of the consultants turned around and went oh did you have a nice holiday I went oh you remembered I went up you know I was away and he was like well you're only away for a fortnight you? So I was like right no yeah, I was away for a year that. and a half but um, but yeah just sort of fell back into mm. that ward um, got a permanent job back there um, and it as with all hospitals, the areas change, and mm. you know, sort of, we had a bit of neurosurgery for a while, and did a bit of re neuro rehab. I did a um, postgrad diploma in neuro disability, mm. um, because, and that was all around learning to communicate properly with physios and OTs, mm. and and get them to understand that I know what I'm talking about. Mm. I'll just learn your language, and mm. and we'll communicate. Um, so that was. Um, I really enjoyed that and again for me so my training was at certificate level um, and I did lots of it, it the English National Board was yeah. the the qualifications that you did at postgrad 
um, before universities mm. came in. So I did a lot of EMB. The 998 was the um, preceptorship and mentoring right, yeah. course. And um, I can't remember the others now, but I did quite a few of those. And then, yeah, then I did this postgrad diploma with um, London South Bank University. Um, and then just, yeah, was slowly working my way up, really. I was a junior, I got to junior sister level. Um, and then I was asked to be acting charge nurse for six months. Um, didn't like that. Didn't like that. Why not? <laughs> because everyone, you know, I'd sort of, I'd get into work half an hour earlier to get some work done and then everyone cottoned on to the fact that I was in work half an hour earlier. So they all got in half an hour earlier so that they could queue up round the corner to ask for off-duty changes. Right. Yeah. That's how I felt. I felt like I was just the gatekeeper of the off-duty. Yeah. Um, and really didn't, mm. just didn't enjoy that, the management aspect of it. I really missed actually being with patients um but you know working with students and yeah. and staff nurses and um so I knew it was good because I knew I didn't really want to do that mm. um and then that was at the time when this whole new role of the clinical nurse specialist started popping up and no one knew a thing about what it. it was didn't know what yeah. it was about but they decided we're going to have one in stroke mm. and um we had sort of a lot of the stroke patients were corralled to the neuro ward amazingly um so i'd done a fair bit um so i was like i'll do it yeah. what do you what do, what do you want me to do and the first thing they said is we want you to set up a database and go and find all the stroke patients and i'm like i don't know what a database is and um ha- where How where are find they? Them? Yeah. yeah um so that was interesting because and but in those days i was in an office with we i shared an office with a neurologist mm-hmm. so i just learn yeah. you know um, so much about um, everything to do with stroke and neuro, really. Um, and I went off on my little journeys around Charing Cross Hospital looking for people with stroke. <laughs> and they were always the little old love in the corner, nil by mouth, mm. IV fluids running. Um, and I'd you know, bring a neurologist down to look at them and say, we have to get them on the, you know, the neuro, or we have to. Then we need, you know, we need beds. And I just remember I was arguing all the time. Um, and I remember finally got my four bedded unit with a little sign that said stroke unit and I remember the the hospital media or whatever coming and they couldn't fit me and the sign in because the sign was so high so I remember health and safety standing on a chair so that they could get me and and a bit of the ward yeah and the sign in and but it was like we've arrived you know stroke is here we can start trying to get them Mm. um that care as quickly as possible. Um, but there were, you know, my argument was always, at any one time there are 25 stroke patients in this ward and you've got me four beds and they, they're just not getting the care that they need. Mm-hmm. They're not getting assessed properly. And that was the, what you know, I started then once yeah. I got going, I really got into it. Um, and it was at that point that um, it was suggested that, of course, to be a CNS, I had to be, you know, have a master's degree. And I was like, hang on, I haven't got a bachelor's degree. They were like, don't worry about that. <laughs> so having not had a bachelor's degree meant I didn't know how to reference. Yeah. I didn't know how to write an assignment. Right. Um, so I failed my first semester quite magnificently, the research methods. But it was brilliant because I had, a, had to repeat it. Mm. So I actually, it was the best thing that could have Took happened because I, yeah. you know, I got the double yeah. whammy and um, yeah, ended up doing really well in my master's. It was, and it was, it was like a complete fluke, but anyway. But it was, it was um, oh, what was it called? Expert practice, leadership and expert practice. Mm. So it was all about change management. And that was right. what I am about. What it you're was, passionate you know, about. It's exactly, you know, what I was doing in stroke. So I did, um, I did a dysphagia screening project. And, I, um, and then I, I, my final thesis was looking at the role of the, the stroke CNS mm. in London. Because um, by then there were about three or four of us, so I interviewed uh, them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, really, really enjoyed that. Um, so much that you went on to do your PhD. Well, it was because through that process, I was arguing so much. I realised that <laughs> when I cited literature mm. and when I talked about the evidence, and by then we were getting evidence for stroke units. Yep. So I was able to say, you know, we save lives and we reduce disability by getting patients on a stroke unit, I need more than four beds, mm. you know, and being able to have those arguments with policy makers and managers 
in the in the trust um, it really started yeah. to get some traction um, and you know my knowledge of stroke was you know improving all the time so you know I started nurse-led clinics mm-hmm. and thrombolysis had come in so I had all that ED involvement yeah mm-hmm. it had gone from being a very sort of passive yeah. specialty where you're just you know sort of making somebody comfortable which I find you know is incredibly important mm. and it doesn't matter how senior you get you know it has to be Back fundamental to fundamental mm-hmm. nursing care is is the root of you know the center of everything that we do but um but at the same time I was able to to advertise stroke as being something that's a bit sexy and you know getting the ED nurses to get on board and um when we first started thrombolizing, all of our patients went to Neuro HDU, which was round the corner, um, because we didn't have a stroke unit by mm. then. So I got to, you know, sort of um, work with all of them. So it was, you know, you n- never get bored because yeah. there's always something new on the horizon, really. And I mean, um, stroke's one of those areas that has just transformed, oh, hasn't it? You know, care of the stroke patient and I feel so interventions to and yeah, have been a part of it all. Yeah. Amazing. Um, so yeah and it was around 2009 that I started publishing um and and that was just again we you know got into this habit of service development project well let's Mm -hmm. write it up and share Mm -hmm. it you know um and I was um the consultant on the straight unit at the time was this guy who had two PhDs one was a Fulbright overachiever. Yeah, he is yeah. an overachiever, exactly. Um, but he rang me up one Friday and said, "We oh, oh, it all gets a bit." So the trust that I worked for was um, Europe's first academic health science centre. Okay. Um, so it was the first time that, that a, a hospital had done um, sort of gone into partnership with a mm-hmm. university, and it went in with Imperial College London. Mm-hmm. Um, so we became Imperial College NHS Trust. Um, so all these scholarships started mm. popping up all over the place and he literally rang me on a Friday night and he was like, there's a scholarship for a non-medic to do a PhD. You, uh, I think the deadline is Wednesday. <laughs> think about it over the weekend. You know, <laughs> and, um, yeah. you know we'll, we'll put you in. Um, so I thought about it over the weekend, spoke to my partner and, and to be honest at the time, my mom, had, she died um, when I was finishing off my master's degree. And, the only thing that stopped me grieving or gave mm-hmm. me respite from my grief for her was when I was writing up my masters. Okay, yeah. So actually, I I had a really positive mm. um, feeling about research and studying, and it it gave me relief. It mm. didn't give me stress. So I wasn't scared of doing a PhD, and 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 I could I needed a little bit of time mm. to just take a step back. Oh, so anyway, I applied for it and I got interviewed and I bloody got it. So um, that was a shock. It's like, oh, now I'm a PhD Oops. student. That was when the imposter syndrome really set. Yeah. Um, I really struggled for the first year, year or so doing that. But what I loved about it was that I maintained my clinical presence. Yeah. So I did sort of four days a week PhD and then a day mm-hmm. a week clinical. Mm. And I, when I mean clinical, I put my uniform on yeah. and I went and caused chaos on the on the stroke unit but by then we were also redesigning stroke in london so that was when um this big consultation went out and um we started looking at the hub and spoke model right. around yeah. stroke so it was that yeah. was all kind of happening all at the same time um and got my phd done in three years really positive Fantastic. experience yeah um, and and literally all the consultation had been going on and then just as I finished it was the time to we'd won the bid for one of the stroke units so there Mm. were eight hyperacute stroke units we got the biggest we were serving a community of 2.2 million wow um 1800 presentations a year Mm. 20 bedded hyperacute stroke units so that was really exciting because we Mm. get to you know I remember you know we forgot to put the oxygen you know (laughs) little things yeah just the silly things when you're designing a unit but you know obviously we remembered by the end but um but yeah no that was an amazing um experience and then yeah getting it up and running and getting Mm. it working and um was just phenomenal Mm. and and building the service so by the time I left in 2013 I had I left I was the 
four other stroke CNSs who were just running a whole Fantastic. service. 54 inpatient beds wow. all together. So we had sort of rehabs, you know, mm-hmm. subacute, hyperacute. We had a full running um, one-stop shop mm. TIA service. They all came up to the ward and then one of the CNSs did that every, you know, every day yeah. and then they'd rotate and they were all doing their master's degrees. We had a stroke research group. Fantastic. Um, and I loved, and that's the benefits for me, having a nurse with a PhD clinically who, mm. you, know, mm. I, you know, clinically supervised all their masters. Um, we were writing grants, mm. getting just small, you know, yeah, yeah. but 6,000 pounds is, yeah. you know, to do nurse-led stuff. We looked at... Um, our bowel care and mm. um, swallow screening and you know all sorts of stuff it was a really really active mm. exciting environment to be in so how was so, it to leave your baby oh I was hysterical <laughs> yeah I was um, I'm still I still blush when I think um, how I cried yeah. that day but um, but at the same time I'd kind of I, I left at an absolute height of success mm. you know by that point we were the best performing hypercute stroke unit in England um, you know, we, we had it just running like like clockwork. We were, you know, thrombolizing. We were even doing thrombectomy by the time I left. Um, so it was the best way to do it. Mm. Leave on a high. Leave at the top, um, yeah. 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 Um, and, yeah, because I was only going to get bored, really, from then on. Um, How do you recognise when is a good time to leave, do you think? I think you know when the time is right. I mean, my partner's a Kiwi. We we were coming over here on holiday every other year. Um, we, the last time we'd come over was in 2012 and her parents were very frail. Mm, mm. And that was when we thought, oh, yeah, maybe. You know, we really probably need to be here. My dad was very fit and well. Um, and you know how sometimes you, this, idea gets in your head mm. and then before you know it everything is just slotted into place and you think oh fate Stars align. that's it yeah. fate is taken and we were we were here within a year yeah. of um, Amazing, deciding yeah. and yeah and I, I felt like I was leaving a really robust service mm. uh, you know I'm a, from a leadership perspective it is never about me yeah. you know it has to be about the service um, you have to be able to leave it and go on holiday or go away for six months. And it they must not even notice that you've gone. Yeah. Because that's the way, I think, it should be. to run a successful service, whatever you're doing. So um, so I wasn't scared that I was, you know, um, leaving anything behind. But it was just, it was that perfect kind of job because I still put a uniform on every Friday, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I, I remember our um, nurse unit manager's we'd got to the point where they, they'd gone back to being clinically focused. Mm. So it wasn't just about being a bed manager anymore. They'd come on the ward, they'd come and find me and the charge nurse. We'd go around and we'd do a ward round together, mm. talking to the nurses, getting the nurses to talk about their patients. It was that kind of an environment. Mm. And, um, and that's, when you, that, you know, that, that's when you know you've got a really good service. And that's when you, know, you sort of think, well, no, they, they can... They can do that without yeah. me because yeah. they're all doing it anyway. And you know, we started nurse-led ward rounds on our not on our hyperacute unit, but on our subacute unit because we realised that we weren't doing mouth care very well. Mm. And you know, it was we just needed to take a bit more ownership of it. So we thought, right, let's do a, a ward round that's led by nurses mm. for nurses in conjunction with the patient and their whanau. And we used to do it um, on a Friday afternoon to prepare. For the weekend. For the weekend, yeah. Um, Great idea. And the word got out, so all the family would, would be there. <laughs> and, you know, it started off, the nurses were sort of, they'd be at the back of the ward with their hands crossed thinking, I don't like this. And, you know, by the time we finished, it was like a six-month project. By the time we finished, they're standing at the doorway of their bay saying, come on then, you just come here and look <laughs> and see how good my care is and yeah. my bag, look how clean and tidy my... They really took ownership. Yeah. And it was stuff, it was, you know... Skin integrity, mm. you know, mouth care, nutrition, um, you know, where's their, their weekly weight and, you know, is it documented properly and, you know, how much information has the patient their whanau got and it was just, it was just a beauty, oh, I loved it, it was a joy, it was a joy. So, um, so yeah, um, said goodbye to them but obviously still, I'm still in touch with a lot of them. Yeah. Um, and made and the big move. I made the big move to New Zealand. Not with no job. 
So my partner so got the job. So you didn't have a job at all no, when you got a job. But I had a PhD. Yeah. And that that seemed yeah handy. To, that was yeah, and it never crossed my mind. I mean, I literally thought I'd just come here and um, and get back into clinical and be a clinical yeah. nurse specialist again. Um, and then I got here and realised that there were clinical nurse specialists in stroke and they were going nowhere. Uh, so they disappointing. They'd been here, you know, and in post for ten years, and I was like ah. Okay, and then I thought, well, I can do, you know, go and do ward work and stuff. And literally, by some, you know, hand of God or fate, um, my CV landed on the desk of Judy Kilpatrick, <laughs> who um, who rang me up. And, yeah. So um, Judy said, was the head of school at that time, yeah. Judy was head of school of nursing, and um, yeah, she literally just invited me in and we had a chat and... Um, and that was it, and that you know, Judy's style. Yeah. Um, a chat with Judy is, is, a chat is with an Judy interview. Is, yeah, and of course I didn't realise that. You know, it was literally the, at the end of the chat. Yeah. Um, I got told, yeah, all right then, why don't you start, give yourself a couple of weeks and yeah. come in here. And so I got, um, came in as a professional teaching fellow to help with um, the 201 nursing, mm-hmm. Bachelor of Nursing paper in the second year. Um, which was a shocker because, of course, I had by that point been doing stroke for about or neuro for about fifteen years, and I used to say, "I I know in the yeah. neck up, but yeah, that's it." Exactly. And they had me going to an orthopedic ward. Nice. And I was like, I and it was nice to bond with the students because I literally would say, "The last time I myself was on an orthopedic ward was when I was a second year student nurse." Yeah. So, um, but it was it's really exciting, you yeah. know. I was in my fortieth year, um, so. You know, if you're going to give yourself a rock up and mm. Um, mm. try something new, that was the time to Good do it. Time. So I loved it. It was weird being in a university environment, having gone from being a well-known senior mm. nurse. Um, and I remember I'd been here a couple of weeks and sort of was going crazy because I'd, I'd been given a, <laughs> you know, a course outline to read and I'd read it on yeah. the first day and, oh, yeah. and I didn't know what to do and and I no one knew whether I was coming or going or who you know and I was used to like literally people yeah, exactly. haranguing me down the corridor you know what it's like Big fish. Oh. <laughs> yeah um, and yeah so it was in one way I realized how stressed I'd been mm. in London and how busy I was and 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 it was lovely not being that you know relied upon and that busy but at the same time I learn a lot about myself because yeah. actually I like being really busy and <laughs> um, I can't not you know I can't just sort of do nothing yeah yeah so um but yeah so I loved it arrived felt like I'd you know come home and um got my so transferred because um, you know it's like I was on like a fixed term temporary mm. contract and then I got my permanent contract in the September um, as a senior lecturer um, yeah and then started doing a bit more for the undergrad and then the opportunity <laughs> came up to um, be the academic director for the Bachelor of Nursing programme and I cheekily went for it and got that and I just like leading, you know, mm. and I just, um, I surround myself with people who know everything. Mm. So it's, you know, the fact that I hadn't done as much education, um, by then I'd pretty much figured mm. a lot of the day-to-day stuff out and um yeah and it's about leading a team yeah it's about getting yeah. the best out of people exactly um who are the experts mm. um and they are an amazing team the whole yeah. school here the the educators and the researchers in the school of nursing are phenomenal pretty lucky so it's easy yeah so yeah so, did that for five years <laughs> so six mm. years after arriving here mm. pretty much mm. You find yourself as the head of school. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I know. And you've been that for what? What are we now? Four months? Five months? No, six months. Six months. Six months. Six months yeah. yeah. How's how's that? How did that come about? And what appealed to you, I guess, about the job? Um, I think I because so I came in and yes, I was running the Bachelor of Nursing program, but I also one of the first things I told Judy I wanted to do was run a postgraduate stroke course Mm -hmm. Um, so within the first year I'd got that up and running and had my first cohort through so immediately I'd kind of found myself and obviously I was still doing 
my research, my stroke research mm. as well. So I'd kind of built a really quick and strong relationship with the researchers in the school, mm. the undergraduate team in the school, and I was part of the postgraduate. So for some reason, I came in quite quickly and got a good handle of how the school was running. Mm. Um, and I loved it. I, I love trying to figure out how a place works. Mm. Um, so for me, it was really natural to know who everybody was, mm. know how it all worked, how do you put a new program together, who do you need to ask, so I you know, understood about the deanery, and um, so yeah, it kind of just came about quite organically, um, but I'm, I'm obviously just nosy, you know, <laughs> bossy, I don't know what it is, but I certainly can't. I've tried, you know, it's it's really hard, you know, for an academic career, you've got to write, you've got to put grants together, you've got to teach, um, and I was getting more and more service yeah. in, in my role. So, um, my writing, saying that, I, I seem to have published a lot this year, but again, I think that's, that's more around the networks yeah. that you deal yeah. with. But, um, so I've had many a conversation with myself around, Julia, just shut up sit down, put your headphones on and write, you mm. know, stop getting involved. Mm. Does it work? But, you know, no. no. Mm. Yeah, I can't do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe I am just too nosy, I don't know. But yeah, I can't do it. So, But I, do you think sometimes we underestimate that, I mean, nosiness is a great term, mm. but it's that, um, I guess, you know, proper people would call it cross-disciplinary collaboration or networking or... Mm. And that getting involved and finding out what goes on outside your own little world, mm. you know. And do you yeah. think nurses are really actually quite good at that anyway, because we are nosy? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we care, I think. Mm. And we care how about relationships and, and how it all works. And I was certainly, you know, in neuro, it is interprofessional. Mm. There, you not, not one single um, mm. discipline can look after a patient with the complexity that a neuro patient demands. So I've grown up to be aware of what everybody else is doing and mm. to collaborate. And um, so I think, yeah, that's kind of in my nature now. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, it is, it's really important. This, this school is a big school and it's um, very um, influential within this faculty. Um, but at the same time, I'm all for getting, getting mm. us um, even more well established and um, people can really learn from nursing they mm. can learn from nurses they can learn from the way um, we all work and um, we do things really well mm. so that's that's my goal as well is to share all of that with the faculty and yeah. um, and the rest of the university to be honest yeah so tell us a bit about the school. So how many... St yeah, I know. <laughs> I know you're bursting too. <laughs> I'm bursting the school. Move away from you now. Yes, thank um, you. How many students, how many staff, postgrad, undergrad? Yeah. How so, does it all work? So we've got um, about 13 staff teaching in the Bachelor of Nursing programme. Um, and we take in... Um, well, we're capped at 100 students per year. We have one intake a year for the Bachelor of Nursing. So we are, um, our reputation is that we are small but perfectly formed. 100% mm -hmm. um, pass rate at state, state exam, um, really high quality teaching. And that's all comes down to the fact that our lecturers also supervise the students out in clinical. Mm. So they have a really good understanding of the curriculum that the students are being taught and they're really good at extracting that theory and helping yeah. the students apply it to, to clinical practice. So that's what I think is the... the Joining the, the dots. Yeah, that's yep. the real key to our success, I think, um, and the quality of the students that we get. Mm. Our postgrad is the biggest school in New Zealand. Um, so we, we get, um, we've got just under 3,000 postgraduate students through the school this mm. year. So it is absolutely enormous, yeah. Um, in total, we've got about um, 76 full-time staff, but um, if you add all of our part-timers and our buybacks, we pop up to about 120. Um, so a big school, lots of staff, lots of complexities, um, lots of people doing joint appointments, mm. um, 
which is just fantastic because it's, it's about um, creating that clinical credibility and students want that you know when you've yeah. got really experienced nurses coming in to do study um, they are demanding and they you know they demand the mutual expect r- respect sorry that um, you get when you're a senior nurse mm. um, and and that they need to know that we know what we're talking about yeah. um, not just from a theoretical perspective but you know clinical experience as well so um so yeah, incredibly busy. Mm. But um, and what sorts of pathways and um, programs? So we have again. So we have our Bachelor of Nursing, and then we're just about to start our Master of Nursing Science, which is a two-year fast-track degree for people who've already got a relevant degree, mm. um, so that they can enter nursing at registration level. So that starts next year. Um, we run the Nurse Practitioner Pathway. Mm. Um, which is just gaining more and more momentum with every year and more and more students. We're up to about 35 starting their nurse practitioner pathway this year. Um, and we run the um, designated nurse prescribing pathways mm. um, as well as a, a master of nursing pathway, PhD yeah. pathways. So, yeah, incredibly busy yeah. Um, and with an amazing team. Um, who are all research, pretty much research active. All of our, even our professional teaching fellows um, are all active from an educational research perspective. They all use evidence-based practice in their teaching. Um, and we've got, yeah, lots of researchers who are also running um, mm. some of these big papers. We've got Barbara Daly running the Science for Nurses course, which is uh, in 100% online. Yep. Um, that's been great very successful and has hundreds of students in it at any one time. Um, our nurse prescribing papers um, are blended, so there's sort of some face-to-face and some online, mm-hmm. which seems to suit nursing work. Yeah. Well, I mean, nurses will never n- want to just do stuff mm. um, online, and um, even Barbara's paper has webinars and Zooms right. attached to it, so you still get a face-to-face contact but it just means that um, the ones who live out of town don't have to keep coming to Auckland Mm. for everything. Um, It astounds me how um, willing everyone is to travel you know I've had people on on my paper from Invercargill right down the bottom of Mm. the South Island and it's just phenomenal Mm. the lengths that people will go to Mm. to appear up here for a couple of days to Mm. you know do their study that they've usually paid for themselves quite often. Yeah absolutely. and then there's other special groups within the school as well too, isn't there, such as TRI? Absolutely. So we've got some very successful research mm. groups. TRI is um, the first bicultural research group in New Zealand. Um, and we've got um, other groups as well, such as um, our <laughs> old, old people's health. Yes. Um, we've got a new professor. Vanessa Berholt, who's um, come to to, to hopefully run um, a centre for older people's health mm. research, gerontology, um, and we've got a new, relatively new research group with ne- the nurse wellbeing mm. group, and that's really come out of this sense of what are we going to do in response to all the stories and all the evidence around nurse burn, mm. you know, um, burnout. Um, I think we've got to a point where we know nurses are burning out mm. and um, we know they're under a lot of stress and strain. So let's stop mm. reporting it and let's start doing yeah, something, do about, something it. about it. So, yeah. you know, we're looking at how we can, you know, um, help nurses to thrive, mm. actually. Um, what's the saying? Not just survive, but thrive. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, so I think that's important. Um, yeah, so we're, we're really building um, our research capacity, um, trying to build on our international collaborations. Mm. We've got um, an honorary professor from the Karolinska Institute joining us next year. Um, And a lot of that is through her work with the Fundamentals of Care and the International Learning Collaborative that I'm a member of. Um, So um, that group is growing um, quickly in New Zealand mm. so and again that's around um, yes the delivery of fundamental care but it's not just what you do it's how you do it yeah. and it's 
focused entirely on the relational aspects of care. So yes, it's important to keep somebody comfortable and pain-free, but mm. actually how do you do that? How do you make them feel safe? Mm. Um, and just putting it out there, because I think, you know, we we expect it, but actually are we giving people the tools yeah. To, yeah. to actually build um, meaningful relationships with their patients? Because yeah. I think when you ask patients, that's what they want. Mm, they want exactly. the relationship. Yeah, they want that. Obviously, they want to be clean and comfortable, but they don't want someone just treating them like Washing a slab them. of meat. Yeah, yeah. They actually want, they want that connection mm. while it's happening. So, um, Do you think we've lost that a bit along the way or has it changed over time do you think do you know I think I'm coming to a realization and it's probably because I'm in, in in this role now but I've been in nursing for 30 years next year is my 30th anniversary and we've been talking the same old stuff mm. for 30 years and I'm disappointed because it hasn't changed mm. and it's only the realization is only hitting me now that this is this is now my time to make the change mm. and how can I influence truly and meaningfully mm. and 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 make the change because I think you get a group of nurses and that's what I find so interesting you get a group of nurses and we always talk about the same stuff yeah but if we're all saying the same thing but it still doesn't translate back to patients. Mm. Um, and I think we need to take the conversations that we have to the bedside yeah. and involve those nurses that are at the bedside with the patients and involve the patients mm. in those conversations. Mm. So I think I feel now I'm, I'm in a, a position where I have a responsibility to influence. Um, and I think for me personally, through the fundamentals of care, and the International Learning Collaborative, that for me, I think, is my is my vessel mm. for having um, influence and changing. Not change, it's changing is the wrong word. You know, it's just about mm. bringing the, that focus on um, the relationship that you have with your patient. Because, you know, we all know in ED and critical care, you know, you're making relationships in, you know, mm. my stroke care, I'm building a relationship with somebody in five minutes yeah. because I'm having to make them feel safe mm. and trust me when I say thrombolysis is the best best thing that can happen yeah. to you right now. Um, so my career has been based on, on relationships. Um, but even if I'm going to help somebody use the commode, I use exactly mm. the same relationships. Mm. Um, to make them feel safe and mm. looked after. Um, so I'm not gonna do the talking in my office. I'm gonna do the talking at the bedside with the patients and the, and, and the nurses and see if we can't get a bit of a national conversation around mm. um, how we provide, you know, and being fundamental care, being at the, you know, the center of everything that we do uh, based on the relationship that we have with the patient. Mm. And the relationship needs to be based on trust, you know, they need to feel safe. Yeah. We need to communicate with them to the best of our ability. You know, we don't know everything and I don't know everything and it's not my job to know everything. Mm. My job is to say to the patient, I don't know, but I can find someone else who does know. Mm. Um, and, and you can trust me in that. I will, mm. you know, it might not be back in five minutes. It might take yeah. me 15 <laughs> minutes, but uh, you know. But I will. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And again, it's building those collaborations, just different sorts of collaborations, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. How can we bring, I guess, the patient perspective back into a school of nursing? Well, I think that's, for me, I've got a bit of a vision around this concept of a clinical academic pathway for staff so that you've got people who are, we've got joint appointments, but they're still quite rigid in that you've got nurses who are clinical one day and then they come into the school and they mm -hmm. teach another day. And I've got a little vision that what what we end up doing, which is a bit like what I did at Imperial, whereby because you're in the clinical area, you're having these clinical conversations, you're identifying clinical problems, um, you're you're listening and talking to patients in Fano. So that's what generates clinical questions mm -hmm. that you can then come back to the university, do the research, bring the patient story into the university. We've got all the supports and the tools here mm. to help people do the research that they need to do, that they then take back to take the clinical area and the patients and say, you asked this question, 
or you you know you wanted mm. this done better well we've gone away we've done the research and now we're bringing it back mm. to you and if you've got people working with that that clinical academic hat on then I think that's a really good solution mm. to it really mm. and it's a model that medicine have been doing yes for a long long time and actually I think it's worth it's a, it's a model that is successful and mm. definitely worth looking at for nursing so yeah that's what that's my vision um, and we're you know in the school we're creating a culture where we do all talk a bit more yeah and I think again you've got clinicians um, to bring their patient stories mm. back to each other when we have a social event or when we're out singing our wyata, mm. we come together we talk about you know our day or you know mm. we can What's use happening? we can mm. use each other to support each other as well because you know nursing's a hard job mm. and um, you know I think we are trained to be able to compartmentalize things because that's a coping strategy but at the same time I feel like we're all this school is full of such incredibly experienced senior nurses um, and other health professionals mm. um, and we are a great source of um, support and comfort for each other as well mm. um, and I think we could you know as our culture grows um, we could become a much more supportive mm. to each other yeah yeah and I get you know again it's that collaboration mm. <laughs> that cross-discipline yeah. um, do you think there's sort of potential to also feed into the other schools within the faculty of medical Absol and health sciences and yeah absolutely and um, they to be honest, the the impression I've had over the last six months is they are actually they look to nursing to see what we are mm. doing and how we are doing things, um, and I'm very readily available to share yeah. um, and invite them That's along great. for the ride because you know well I think because I've I've been interviewing um, for for the Bachelor of Nursing program for years now and you know my mantra has always been. You might want to do nursing, you might want to do pharmacy. I don't mind what you want to do, mm. but but if health is what you want, then you know we will do everything we yeah. can to get you in the right profession. That you know whatever fits your heart mm. and and helps you thrive, then we will make that happen. Um, and I think that's that's the true sense of collaboration. In that you know if you, if you want to help people then you know find the place that suits you best but it's not all about nursing it's yeah. not all about pharmacy it's not all about medicine it needs to be about all of us working together for the patients mm. and their whānau really what do you think is um or attracts people to nursing these days i mean there's so many career mm. options out there now isn't there and that I are a lot better it. paid and a lot more attractive yeah. and sexy but yeah. what brings people to be nurses still they're still saying you know, I want to help people, mm -hmm. I want to care. It's definitely the most common thing that they say. However, there's a lot of them who say, I want to be right. a nurse practitioner, I want to be yeah. a clinical nurse specialist, yeah. yeah cool. So we're getting the message out mm. there that this is definitely a career yeah. that people, you know, want and um, and they want to focus on um, patients. I think what we might struggle with in the long run is how we get people into into those management roles because actually they're not the you know they're not necessarily the role that everybody uh, wants to go into because a lot of people you come in like I did you come in because you want to you know serve people mm, um, mm. but you need everybody to make it work yeah and you need the managers and and they need to be supported um, to ha to have a a role that is fulfilling for them. And I think, you know, so bringing in a little bit more clinical care mm. and having, um, rather than sort of that role that being stuck in an office, mm. um, which, you know, it doesn't work because I think ultimately those those people, they're not fulfilled because yeah. they want, we all want patient input. I think, mm. You know, I'm very open about the fact that I'm, you know, quite needy <laughs> and quite, um, I get very fulfilled by being around patients mm. and you know, every couple of years I'm gonna have to go back and put a uniform on. Get and, your hand scrubbing. And yeah, yeah. And just you know the energy that I get from holding somebody's hand when they're having thrombolysis, or mm. you know, um, yeah, it fulfills me. So mm. we need to make sure that those pathways um, are available to all nurses. Mm. But uh, yeah, it it is the ultimate caring profession, um, and that should be celebrated and. Um, you can do amazing things and you can have a lifelong career and you can earn some decent money now. 
um, and you can really influence. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think it's a fabulous career. And, I, you know, I feel incredibly privileged because, I, you know, I'm a girl from a working-class family who they were just chuffed that they weren't going to have to put me through university or anything and that mm. I was going to get paid, mm. you know. Um, and so it, I was sent off to go and do a job. Yeah. Um, and the fact that I've had this most amazing career um, from it is, is phenomenal and I think that's something that really surprises my family because they would never have dreamt that mm. I would have been able to do all of this and I am you know I'm I'm not an aggressive ambitious you know I will rule the world kind of a person mm. at all I um, I have kind of stumbled along and um, found found my way but the one thing that I would say is that I love an opportunity yeah and I think, you know, you could look back and say, oh, she's a bit cocky, you know, she went for that job a bit early and she did that job a bit early. But, you know, people often say about women is that we wait until we know we can do the job before we apply for it. Mm. And I'm one of those lucky women who actually know Doesn't that, let's, that, yeah, <laughs> let's just crack on. And, you know, yeah. I really like, I like opportunity. I like change. Um, I like to be challenged. Mm. And... Um, I think I feel like we should do it more often. Yeah. Um, because definitely. it's good for us. It's good to stir the know, pot. It really is. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I think it. You know, it impacts on your whole life and mm. the way you think about all of your life. Mm. Um, I've given up on work-life balance. <laughs> that doesn't exist. But that's fine because I'm me all the time. So it doesn't matter whether I'm in work or out of mm. work. And whether I'm on a conference call at nine o'clock at night mm. or, you know, doesn't matter because I'm, yeah, because the stress of trying to say, now I have to be at home time mm. um, when you've still got a load of work to do, it's it's pointless. You're just work. putting pressure mm. on yourself. So just, yeah, be you all the time. And my voice changes <laughs> as I become calm and mindful and at peace. <clears throat> well, see that chops out all my self-care questions ah, quite nicely doesn't it but do you do anything to look after yourself to unwind to manage the stress um, and to kind of separate out yeah. life and work a little bit I'm, st- I'm still trying to sort that all out really um, I think the thing is you, a new job you've always got to give it I mean I can't believe I've been in it nearly six months already um, I think you've always got to give yourself a year to mm. really, you know, sort of get it all right. Um, I did have a dog who I used to walk every day. Um, unfortunately, she died in May. But she did die literally the week I went for this job. And I do feel there's a bit of me that thinks she gave me permission yeah. because I, I'd have been worrying about trying to get home mm. for her. Mm. So, um, But that means I'm not walking her every day. However, we, you know, in, in our grief, we joined a gym. Oh, nice. Yes. Yeah. And I have been a couple You've of been. times. Yes. And it's got a lovely cafe. Oh, good. So, you know, so I do. What I, I think but myself. That's good for the soul, isn't it? You know, and I am all about the soul. I'm mm. all about quality of life. So if I'm going and grabbing a cup of coffee, it'll be, you know, the best cup of coffee you mm. could ever have. And I will enjoy I love writing lists and doodling. And, you know, so I, I do really look after myself. Yeah. Um, I'm, everyone says I'm an extrovert but I am a bit of an introvert I, I do need my own time mm. I do need that moment mm. um, when I was very young I used to smoke and um, and that was really good for me because it took me away from people <laughs> I have you know I'd have to go and have, have a cigarette and it remove me yeah, yeah. Um, so you're not about to start doing that again no I'm not about to start no, smoking no. at all no but you know I, I will go and get myself some lunch or take mm. a walk around the domain and yeah you know have have some time yeah um i love driving i have a beautiful car uh, i do i this sounds so pompous but it's a beautiful little mazda mx5 and it's a convertible and i would say 90 percent of the year i drive to work with the roof down nice and my soul is full by the it's, i'm only you know 15 minute drive away by the time i get here I've had a beautiful time. I've looked at the blue sky and I've had the sun on my face. And, yeah. You know, that... It's just I'm finding whatever yeah. sparks your fire, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It is. yeah. It and is. being in the position to be able to do that yeah. 
and recognise that that's what rocks your world to start the day. Being you know? present, you yeah. know, being, am I, I'm a real, my partner, you know, it drives her crazy because I'm a real, am I happy? Are we happy? Is everything, all, you know, I, I do reflect a lot um, because life is short, yeah. you know, you have to make sure that you're making the right decisions and that you're in the right place and you're doing what feels right for you. Mm. And, mm. Um, and I ask myself a lot, which is good because I feel very confident yeah, that I am in the right place for me. Good. Yeah. Good, yeah. because only six months into the job, that's probably a good thing to I be know. saying. Exactly. <laughs> but I'm and I'm loving the job. The job is what I thought it would be, mm. and it is exactly what I love to do. So um, no know. major surprises so far. No, no. no. All. Um, I mean, the diary is a surprise. I didn't quite realise it would literally be back to back. Yeah. Um, but I think but that will calm down. You know, yeah. I've made a point of wanting to see everybody mm. in the school. And, you know, so, um, yeah, that's just filled the diary up a bit. But um, but that's been really important. Mm. I've learned mm. loads from just speaking to everybody. Um, yeah, and I think it will get better over time. Mm. But, um, but I wanted to go. I've visited all the DHBs. Um, you know, I've had meetings with all the other heads of schools. All of that stuff is so important, mm. and I will continue to do it. But you know, if you think I've done it in six months, yeah. so um, it's been quite full on. Mm. But I've got you know three weeks off over Christmas, nice. Um, so I shall chill out. My brother's coming over with his girlfriend. We're going to go on a tiki tour down the South Island. Nice. So chillax. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Completely. Completely. And then get ready for the oh, exactly the next year. new year. Mm. So July next year, you'll be celebrating your first anniversary mm. in this role what will have happened by then Whew. well hopefully um, from a staff perspective um, I hope I can you know confidently say that that they're happy and content mm-hmm. and they they understand how I work and who I am and that you know I am all about communication and and kindness Mm. is a big thing I think we should all be very kind to each other Um, so I hope I've got a happy school I hope when people are unhappy they feel that they can come and talk to me Um, (laughs) I'm sure they will (laughs) they are academics they will be in here but you know they they need to feel safe to come and do that Um, hopefully the Master of Nursing Science will be Mm. up and running and that will be um, have one semester down so hopefully that's all working well um, we are looking at developing a doctor of health sciences so that may be on its journey mm. by then mm. um, so that's really exciting so you know I suppose what I'm looking at is you know developing some key programs I don't want to bombard the school with new stuff yeah. but I think some some key pathways that are res- responding to what are you know key stakeholders and you know our nurses want um i think that's really important so i want to and i want to continue to be sort of reactive to all of that and responsive to their needs um and hopefully as well i'll have had some impact on the actual faculty yeah so we're you know they're looking at refreshing the the faculty strategic plan and um i think we've got a lot of value to add to that mm. process so I'd like to be really involved in that and um, benefiting yeah the, the wider university as well I think nursing has so much to offer um, the way the whole university works so I want to yeah develop the staff give them support leadership grow mm. meaningfully for the school mm. it's not about bums on seats this school is is not I know we've got a big postgrad mm. but we're just we are responding to need um, and be thoughtful and strategic about how we grow um, but nevertheless there is a market for growth mm. um, but it's about you know us growing in the way that University of Auckland nursing should grow yeah um, I think you know there are five schools of nursing in Auckland um, there is room for all of us but I think we just all need to be aware of what we're really good at mm. um, and, and you know communicate collaborate yeah. All that good stuff. Yeah. Do it, you know, with meaning. Fantastic. Mm. Oh, maybe we'll have to talk in July again and see how I it's know. all going. See if I'm on my knees. <laughs> so far, so good, though. You know, I'm getting a lot of energy from it. And, mm. you know, that's when you know it's the right thing. Yeah. 
Yeah. When if I was completely exhausted, then I'd be a bit worried. But no, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well, thank you for your time. That's probably a good place to <clears throat> wrap up. <laughs> I look forward to speaking to you next year. Definitely. Yes. I'll let you go and look at your diary. <laughs> <laughs> thank thank you. you. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed that. Julia is an amazing leader and has some wonderful ideas around development of clinical academics that would benefit both our departmental colleagues as well as our patients and their whānau family. I love her description of the School of Nursing as small but perfectly formed and I have to say that it is a great place to work with some outstanding people, both the staff who work there and the students who come through that I get to meet. And I do feel really lucky to be part of the team there. I'll have to schedule another catch-up with her at the end of her first year, perhaps, to update you as to where things are heading in the School of Nursing. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad you could join us. If this is your first time listening, then welcome and thanks for joining us. And if you're a returning listener, then thank you for coming back. I hope you are enjoying the experience. If you have any feedback or suggestions, I'd love to hear them. What did you enjoy or who would you like to hear from? Would you like to make a guest appearance? Please contact me by email. And until next time, I hope this proves to be critical to your success.